Hi there, I just feel the need to insert a little trigger warning at the very beginning of this episode. In a few places in this episode, Matthew Kane interrupts me, and I know that could trigger some of you because you are not used to bad behavior on the part of Matthew Kane. I want you to, to know ahead of time that that's going to happen in this episode and to be prepared for that. And I also want to clear his reputation. He did not deliberately do so, but our mixing software somehow got things shifted a little bit and overlaid his audio onto mine a bit. So without further ado, here is episode 78. Thank you. Hi everyone, thanks very much for joining us for episode 78 of the Practicology Podcast. We are nearing the end of July. Remember that in episode 76, we talked about the upcoming August Summer Challenge, where we're going to be memorizing Ephesians chapter 1. But before we get there, Mike's got something else in store for us today. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, so we're memorizing Ephesians chapter 1, and we often think of the book of Ephesians as being uh, in two sections. There's the doctrinal section in chapters 1 to 3, and then the practical section, which is chapters 4 to 6. Uh, So Matthew, does this mean that we're seriously asking listeners to memorize an entire chapter of the Bible that is not practical. It is true that Ephesians, like other writings of Paul, does lay a doctrinal framework before he gets into the explicitly practical material, and Ephesians definitely does that. However, I guess what we're going to do, Mike, as we go through Ephesians 1, we're going to hasten to the practical implications of what is there in Ephesians 1. Certainly there's practical ramifications for all the teachings of God's Word. Mm-hmm, yeah. So uh, there is a myth, though, isn't there, that theology isn't practical. And what we want to do in this episode is is bust that myth out of the water sky high. Uh, hopefully, uh, everyone listening to the Practicology podcast has, has maybe seen from every episode so far that theology is practical. But I want to uh, tackle that question specifically. And my favorite place for doing this in the Bible is Acts chapter 15. Well, Acts 15 is a great chapter, Mike, and I'm glad you're taking us there. It's also a bit of a long chapter, so we're not going to take time to read it all. But let me just give the background for any of our listeners who have forgotten what this chapter is all about. The gospel was beginning to explode amongst the Gentiles. Lots of non-Jewish people were being saved, including, thankfully, lots of Gentile men. But some other men came down to Antioch from Judea, and they were teaching the believers, verse 1, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. So they're essentially teaching a faith plus work salvation. And this leads in verse 2 and the following verses to lots of debate and discussion with Paul and Barnabas telling those men that they're wrong. Yeah, lots of talk about theology. And uh, so here's the myth once again. Theology isn't practical. That's the myth. And I have three points uh, that I want to make from this chapter that show actually theology is extremely practical. So here's the point number one. It's theology is everywhere. Why is theology so practical? Because it's everywhere. You can't get away from it. There isn't a category of people who have some theology and then this other category of people who don't have any theology. Everyone has some theology. The only question is what kind of theology do you have? So these false teachers who came down from Judea, it's not that they didn't have a theology. It's that... uh, They had a wrong theology. Paul and Barnabas and all the people with them had a theology too. What about secular people though, Mike? Because the people in that example from Acts 15 
whether it's Paul and Barnabas or the Judaizers, they they clearly had some sense of biblical understanding. What about secular people who deny the existence of God? I mean, they'd be offended if you said that they had a theology. Theology is the study of God. Well, that's a great question, but uh, I would respond by saying that theology shows up in, in surprising places. Uh, I often listen to Al Mohler's podcast, The Briefing, and he's constantly tracing the places where theology shows up in our news headlines. And I think it's probably Mohler that mentioned somewhere uh, that even the term atheist uh, can't, can't escape some theology, right? I mean, atheist. Atheist, the, the A in the front negates the, the last bit of the word, so it's someone who doesn't believe in God or someone without God. Well, that's a theological position. You're saying, yeah, my theology, I'm defining myself, I'm identifying myself um, as someone who believes there, there is no God. It's, it's impossible for an atheist to identify himself as such without reference to God. Well, that's uh, maybe a bit of a technical example, but let me, let me give a more um, practical everyday example. So you're just driving down the neighborhood or walking up to a neighbor and, and you notice a sign on the front yard or posted up on the window of the house. And it says this, in this house, we believe, notice those words, in this house, we believe that black lives matter, love is love, women's rights are human rights, we are all immigrants, diversity makes us stronger. And so uh, Rebecca McLaughlin, uh, points out that this is a secular creed. Yes, even secular people have a theology. They have a creed of what they believe in. So yeah, theology is everywhere. It's not just in Jerusalem or Mecca or Salt Lake City. It's, it's in the political arena, the sports arena, the shopping mall, and the coffee shop. And the big question is not whether there is theology everywhere, but is it true? Is it healthy? Is it sound? Which takes me to the next point I want to make. Why is theology so practical? Because, number two, theology is life-changing. It either enslaves or sets free. In your passage in Acts 15, I guess, the, the debate is about, well, it's, it's about how to be saved. So we immediately see how practical theology is there. There's nothing more practical than knowing that you are saved. How can I know that I'm right with God? What will happen to me? When I die, how can I be ready to die? These are huge questions with massive practical ramifications. And theology is trading in these questions, right? Yeah, it's a pretty big deal uh, if we get the question of how to be saved wrong. Theology in this case isn't just life altering, but it's actually eternity altering. And there were two answers, different answers, floating around in Antioch in Acts 15. Paul and Barnabas were saying, Faith in Christ alone is the way we receive salvation. But as you mentioned, some were saying, no, it's actually faith plus works uh, is the way we, we receive salvation. And the works that they're specifically calling for is circumcision. They're saying to these Gentile men, uh, converts, they're saying, look, it's, it's wonderful. You've believed in Jesus Christ. Now, there's just one more step. You need to be circumcised and then you'll be saved. You need to throw in some law keeping and you'll be saved. So yeah, there's two theologies here. The one, faith in Christ alone yields salvation. The other, faith plus works yields salvation. And they end up having a big council in Jerusalem over the whole thing with uh, apostles and elders gathering together. And I wonder, 
if some of us, if we could travel back in time and sit in on that council, I wonder if some of us would sort of be rolling our eyes, like, seriously, all this debate and arguing over one term? See, this is what theology does, we might say. It divides, it leads to all these big debates. Why can't we just have something practical? Theology isn't practical, but of course it is practical. Is salvation received by faith in Christ alone? or faith plus works. Not only does that question determine where one will spend eternity, it also determines how one will live his or her entire life leading up to eternity. If salvation comes through faith plus our works, there's a whole bunch of Gentile men in Antioch who are going to have to go under the knife and under the law, the whole law. Peter calls it, in verse 10, he calls it living life under a yoke that no one is able to bear. That's a life of slavery. But if salvation comes through faith alone and Christ alone, there's a whole bunch of Gentiles who are going to be set free. So the council convenes. They make it clear that salvation is through faith in Christ alone. They write it up in a letter to the Gentiles. And Paul and Barnabas, they head back with this letter. They read it out loud to the whole congregation. And everyone mutters, oh, I wish they'd brought some ministry that was a little more practical. No, that's not what they say. It says it says in the Bible, they rejoiced. Who knows, maybe they even cheered. It wouldn't be the only time that Christians got a little excited when they found out how free they were in, in Christ. So that's a good example of how theology is life-changing. It has the power to enslave or set us free. I'm thinking of Paul's words uh, again in Galatians 5, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. What's another reason, Mike? Why else is theology practical? Yeah, well, I have one more reason uh, from this chapter. Thirdly, theology is practical because it's a war fought with words. It's a war fought with words. So we could summarize Acts 15 this way. Some guys come to Antioch, spoke their theology with words, and stole everybody's joy. Shoulders sank, heads drooped, gloom settled in. But then some other men came to Antioch and spoke their theology with words, and everyone's burdens were lifted. Christians experienced freedom again. Let me just point you to uh, a couple of verses that, that I think bear out that that's a faithful summary of the chapter. Look at 15 verse 1. It says, Some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And then later in verse 24, it says that these same men troubled the Gentile Christians with words unsettling their minds. So you, so you have on the one hand, these men who come down with their words of theology and they really cause problems. They really steal people's joy. But then on the other hand, Paul and Barnabas go from Jerusalem to Antioch and, and read the words out loud of a letter and everyone is greatly encouraged and, and they're rejoicing. In other words, theology is a war fought with words, and that makes it very practical and relevant to people. Yeah, I think of, you know, somebody reading verse 30 and 31, or maybe just imagine an observer of the scene there in Antioch when Paul and Barnabas come and they read this letter, and uh, a witness to this letter being read observes that this simple act of reading words out loud has this profound effect upon people. I mean, the people would have been rejoicing, celebrating, and why has their mood and their attitude changed so much? What has 
what has encouraged them and uplifted them? The answer is that they had previously been subject to words of others who brought a false theology that made their life harder, words that had enslaved them and burdened them. But now they are rejoicing because they are hearing better words. They are hearing words of the truth of the gospel. Yeah, I mean, an official announcement that the enemy is retreating would mean a lot more in Ukraine right now than it would mean in our country right now. And the simple reason is because Ukraine is, unfortunately, at war. And theology is, is the Lord Jesus Christ proclaiming peace to his people who constantly are aware that they are at war. And that conflict, that re the reality of that conflict that we're all in, makes the doctrines of the Christian faith feel very meaningful. And we experience them as very meaningful and relevant to the saints. Every time we hear the truths of the Christian faith, the theology of the Christian faith, we always hear it as those who are also subject to other voices, other messages. And these other theologies are harmful to us. They threaten us. They want to enslave us. And so when we hear the, the news of the truth, it, it rejoices us. It liberates us. Every time we open our mouths and speak truth about God to others, there's always an oppressive lie or enslaving half-truth that we are countering. When you remind others that their worth is based not on what they do, but on what Christ has done for them, they receive it with relief and joy. Why? Because we are constantly hearing from our culture that our worth is based on what we accomplish. And of course, this goes along with your first two points. Theology is everywhere. We can't escape to a place where we are completely unaffected by the messaging around us. That's right. And this theology is conveyed by words. I was talking to a lady the other day about a, a mutual friend that we have, and she made the comment, she said, he's happy and that's all that matters, right? That's a, that's a theological belief, and it's being shared all around the Western world, not in sermons or lectures, but in our sayings, in our slogans, in our songs, in our stories. And it's really easy to catch oneself nodding along in agreement. And this is why theology is so practical. It's spoken. It spreads everywhere by words. And this thing that is spreading by these words is life-altering in its power, which means we can have a big impact on fellow believers just by using words. Matthew, remind us, what simple thing did Paul and Barnabas do to encourage and strengthen and lift burdens in Antioch? They simply read out loud the words of a letter written by apostles. Which sort of makes me wonder, Mike, uh, it'd be nice if we had letters like that, letters from apostles that we could read to people out loud. Hmm, yeah, wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> and, uh, and I think we do. And one of them is Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Yes, we're going to be memorizing Ephesians chapter 1. And yes, it talks about some big words and profound truths. Uh, election, predestination, adoption, sonship, inheritance, and so on. But these aren't just fancy truths for people dwelling in ivory towers. Remember chapter 6 of Ephesians? There's a spiritual war going on, and, and each of these words is loaded with life-changing power. Why? Well, in part, because we come to each of these words with so many other words, so many other theologies ringing in our ears, um, and affecting us in, in negative ways. Right, and I come back and yeah. I think back to your original question, Mike, about, you know, are we, are we looking at a passage in Ephesians 1 that is strictly doctrinal or theological and has no practical import? And uh, 
then you you kind of use the example of someone a few moments ago saying, oh, I wish there was, you know, muttering, I wish there was more practical teaching. Well, in, in fairness, it is the responsibility of those who are teaching the word when we're dealing with a, a passage that is heavy in theological material. It's our responsibility to uh, bring to the surface the practical implications of that. And that's our plan as we go through Ephesians chapter 1 in August. But there is just such a blessing in having the words of God, the theology of Scripture in our hearts, in our minds, ringing in our ears when the enemy whispers that God could never love us after what we've done. The words that you have been chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world can supplant his lies. And so you will you will experience the practical consequence of having the Scriptures ringing in your ears. Yeah, exactly right. And that truth that you're referring to of being chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world, guess what? It comes from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. And that is what we're going to be taking up in our very first episode going through this year's August Summer Challenge, the, the doctrine of election. Wowzers. Well, you've got everybody's attention now, Mike. They're gonna, that's going to be one of the most listened to episodes, at least the first few minutes, I think, just to, to see what you've got to share with us on that. Yeah, that's right, Matthew. We don't uh, steer away from controversy here, but um, theology is not just divisive, divisive. It is practical. That's what uh, we've been trying to get across here in this episode. And I made three points here from Acts chapter 15. Number one, theology is everywhere. Secondly, theology is life-changing. It either enslaves or it sets free. And then thirdly, theology is a war fought with words. Well, I think we're getting what you're saying, Mike. I hope all of our listeners are as well. And this means we can have a big impact on people with our words as well. I mean, everyone is fighting to resist the harmful effects of words and beliefs in our own hearts and in our own culture, false beliefs, bad words. We know Satan himself is busy using words to try and harm us, just like the words of those false teachers unsettled the faith of the Christians in Antioch in Acts 15 for a while. But as you say, all Paul and Barnabas did to encourage the Christians was to read the words of truth, the words of a letter written by the apostles. Matthew, as you just summarized that, uh, it just brings me back to Genesis 1 to 3, right? The whole story of the Bible is uh, begins with God speaking his words in creation, and then uh, Satan immediately almost, it seems, uh, trying to counter, trying to destroy with, with his false words. And it's in that context in which God's words, God's truth, God's teachings are so practical and relevant to everyday life. Amen. Thanks, Mike, for your words today. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We've got one more episode to come before we do move into the August Summer Challenge. Next week, we're going to be talking about uh, what is my spiritual gift? That's a question that people are also often wondering about. And so we hope you can join us for that and hope you are getting ready to start working on Ephesians chapter one as well. Thanks for joining us today. May the Lord bless you all.